Hello, and welcome to Wait, How Do You Spell That? A Rare Disease Podcast. My name is Colby, and I'm the content specialist here at Patientworthy. In this episode, we have a conversation between our managing editor, Ilana, and Nina Nazar, the president and founder of the Janssen's Foundation. Janssen's metaphysial chondrodysplasia, also known as Janssen's disease, is an extremely rare genetic disorder characterized by irregularities in the formation of bones. As Nina says in the interview, at the time she started the Janssen's Foundation in 2017, there were only 10 known cases of Janssen's worldwide, so it's an often overlooked and underdiagnosed disorder. We hope you've been enjoying this series of interviews from the National Institutes of Health Rare Disease Day in February. Like many things this year, our plans and guests for the podcast have been shuffled around because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Our next episode will be the last interview from Rare Disease Day, and we have plenty of great topics lined up for the future. We hope you enjoy this episode, and if you'd like to share your experiences as a rare disease patient, feel free to reach out to us. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching PatientWorthy, and be sure to check out the latest in rare disease news anytime at PatientWorthy.com. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Alana, and this is Wait, How Do You Spell That? A Rare Disease Podcast by Patient Worthy. Right now, we're at the NIH for Rare Disease Day, and we have a special guest today. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, so I'm Nina Nazar, mm-hmm. and I have Jensen's metaphysical chondrodysplasia. Uh, it's a rare skeletal uh, disorder or disease, rather, uh, that affects uh, the uh, growing bones Mm -hmm. uh, in your body. And um, I have this condition, and I've passed it down to my two boys, Mm -hmm. um, who also have uh, Janssen's now. Um, And so um, I got into rare advocacy really through the diagnosis that Mm. we received after I had my second son. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that began our journey into the rare world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because when we had a diagnosis, we were uh, three out of ten cases worldwide that had this very ultra-rare disease. Mm -hmm. How did you uh, get the diagnosis? I know with a lot of ultra-rare diseases, it's really hard to get that. So I went undiagnosed for about 30 years until Mm -hmm. I had my second son. And it was just kind of a stroke of luck or rather a miracle Mm -hmm. that we found a diagnosis. It just so happened that um, after several attempts at finding a diagnosis um, and turning up with nothing, Mm -hmm. um, we stumbled into the office of uh, a geneticist named Sheila, Dr. Sheila Nambudri in uh, South India. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and mind you, we had seen, and I kid you not, like over 100 doctors mm-hmm. by then who had no idea what we had. But we walked into this room and the doctor took one look at my son's x-rays and my x-rays and said, I think I know what you have. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was an earth-shattering moment for us. Mm-hmm. Um she, Dr. Nambudri, had specialized in skeletal dysplasia in Germany uh, many years ago, and she was shown, uh, she, along with her class, was shown one slide of a Janssen's patient. And the class was told that, you know, we're going to skip the slide because yeah. you're never going to come across a patient oh, wow. with this disease. 
And it just so happened that she remembered that slide. Mm -hmm. And so she called her professor and said, I have not one but three cases of Janssen's disease. And so it was really just a very fortunate discovery Mm -hmm. for us. And that started us on this Mm -hmm. journey to treatments. Mm -hmm. What are the treatment options right now? So right now, um, with Janssen's, there hasn't been any research mm-hmm. uh, at all until we started the foundation in 2017, and we have been spurring treatment, um, a, a method to turn off our receptor that is overactive in, mm-hmm. in Janssen's patients. So right now, we have all our preclinical data that looks very promising, and mm-hmm. we just got uh, a grant from the uh, NIH uh, that's helping us with the talk studies and all the other preclinical data that we require to file an IND mm-hmm. and to actually have a treatment option. So we're very hopeful yeah. that by the end of this year we will be in trial. I know you said you started it in 2017. And I actually, I think I started working in the rare disease space around 2017 as well. And I remember seeing your name come up and then sort of seeing it all over. Um, And it's like, it really is great to see how much, like, the foundation has grown and, like, how much uh, it's this rare disease population that had so few patients patients to work with. And then suddenly it's... It's in the limelight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, which is awesome. Um, Right. Yeah. I think think that just says so much for precision medicine Mm -hmm. and and, uh, for precision care right now and treatments for um, rare neglected conditions like ours Mm -hmm. um, where we don't have the numbers and we don't have the, you know, the the huge natural history studies that everybody else touts um, and talks highly about. But whatever we do have, we have data and we have endpoints mm-hmm. that are measurable. And I think that's key. Mm-hmm. Like, so uh, that helped. And then we also had an incredible um, team of researchers at uh, Boston Harvard uh, Medical School that helped put us uh, on the right path. And truly, it's been a collaboration. And it's also been... Um, you know, just actionable steps. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think because we didn't have such a big population, it was easy to work mm-hmm. around the fact that I didn't have to worry too much about some of the other logistics that maybe other mm-hmm. groups had to deal with. So, in a way, it was a blessing um, not having huge numbers as well mm-hmm. as it being a hindrance to not get the robust data that we were looking for. Mm-hmm. But So, we're an unconventional approach to treatment. But as we've heard today at, this, uh, at the Rare Disease Day, that they are looking at precision medicine mm-hmm. more. And yeah. uh, so, I think we're one of those stories. We're yeah. one of those examples. Yeah. Um, what actionable steps would you um, give someone else who also just got their diagnosis or um, was looking to create a foundation? So um, creating a foundation yeah. is not very hard. We have so many tools out there. Mm-hmm. So Global Genes has tools. Nord has tools. Mm-hmm. I think what every organization should keep in mind is what's your mission for mm-hmm. your organization? Is it just to grow your population and discover more members? Mm-hmm. Or is it really to support science and to mm-hmm. move that forward? So we really threw everything we had into the research. So mm-hmm. um, 
we didn't really spend a lot of time building a lot of programs mm-hmm. in our foundation because for us the mission was these kids need to be treated before they hit puberty mm-hmm. and we had all these children um, running out of time and so uh, that was our goal mm-hmm. and so we kind of just had that as our trajectory and mm-hmm. we worked towards what does the research team need from us in mm-hmm. terms of data what can we collect what can we as patients bring uh, to them that can spur this treatment further so I think we spent a lot of time doing that and then we couldn't because we were such a small group we couldn't really do like huge fundraisers mm-hmm. um, like you know I, I mean I'm jealous that if you have like even a thousand members everybody does one birthday fundraiser and mm-hmm. you At the end of the year, you have at least a good amount of money to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, We can't do that. And out of the 10 patients, three belong to my family. So how do you fundraise for that? It's almost like you're you're fundraising for yourself. (laughs) And so I think uh, that was very tricky. And so what I did instead was to look for grants and to actually pinpoint grants that we could access through the NIH Mm -hmm. and uh, that worked in our favor because we got the R01 and then we got the TRND very recently and so that spurred us to move forward and that helped us uh, along so and we didn't even we didn't even have a pharma company to pick us up Mm -hmm. so how do you do that so that's really uh, my advice would be to have very clear strategies like what are you going to do are you going to fundraise are you going to throw all your money into a grant you know it really depends mm-hmm. so um and then are you going to back the right horse um you know you've got to believe in your science and for us that was a no-brainer because there was really nothing else out there and the science that we did have made total sense mm-hmm. so understand your disease understand how it manifests and how it's uh, how it works to be able to understand whether the science is going to work or not you said uh, I know you're talking about one of ten patients has have you found more patients since uh, starting the foundation like with more awareness so when we started the foundation we had three patients oh, wow myself my two boys Mm -hmm. and then we had another boy in Mississippi so Mm -hmm. yeah we were four when we first started Mm -hmm. so since 2017 and now it's 2020 um, in three years we've grown to 10 Mm -hmm. so it is because of our efforts in in promoting it but at the same time, I mean, Jensen's can be underdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. There may be patients out there because it looks a lot like rickets. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, a doctor just on second glancing at x-rays will know that it's not typical rickets. So mm-hmm. um, we were told by our geneticist that you can um, win the national lottery three times over in a row. Mm-hmm before you would be hit with this uh-huh. gene. Yeah. So it's just super rare. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's interesting. Sort of like the within the rare disease space, there is such a range between sort of diseases that are relatively, like have pretty robust patient populations mm-hmm. and ones where it's like pretty hard to find anybody who right, has right. the same exact condition. What do you think um, is often misunderstood about uh, Jensen syndrome or uh, 
ultra rare diseases in general. So about Janssen's disease, um, um, what's misunderstood is like orthopedic surgeons will think that the bones can be corrected through surgical procedure, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really solve the problem. It's a very temporary fix. It's not really solving the underlying issue. It's just putting a Band-Aid on the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a misconception about how our bones are. Mm-hmm. Um, my father used to say to doctors that her bones bend mm-hmm. and they wouldn't believe him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would actually tie me to an ironing table mm-hmm. to keep me straight. And mm-hmm. so to keep from the bone, keep the bones from bending. So, I mean, that was his engineering mind uh-huh. at work. But um, so that's a misconception that, you know, that the bones can be fixed through surgical intervention. I think in for rare disease in general, there are so many misconceptions. Yeah. Um, one that I am frequently accosted with is that if you have few numbers that you can't get a treatment, that we need to get cures in a certain pathway. Mm-hmm. That there's only one kind of pathway. Either you have a pharmaceutical company or you follow a set pathway to that, you know, $2.7 billion and 20 mm-hmm. years odyssey um, kind of deal. But, you know, more and more I'm beginning to realize that that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, you have to carve, you can carve your own pathway Mm -hmm. and then it becomes a model for others to follow. Uh, Where can people go to find uh, and support your work? Um, So the Janssen's Foundation, if you Google us, Mm -hmm. uh, J-A-N-S-E-N-S foundation.org, we have a website. We're on all social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Mm -hmm. So you can reach out to us in any one of these fashion. And, um, you know, we respond uh, easily to and very quickly to all Mm -hmm. connections. Great. Thank you. Absolutely.